0: Stay tuned. In last week's blog post and podcast episode 30, I talked about four steps to protect your vendor's banking from being changed by a cybercriminal, and it included a critical step most companies leave out. Now, after identifying the ways to protect your vendor master file from being updated with fraudulent banking, I warned that those who thought they were immune to cyber criminals because they only issue check payments were in for a surprise. That's coming up next. Welcome to episode 31, Check Payment Method, Hmm, Still Needs to be Protected from Cyber Criminals. This is a true story. I was at an event this year, and I was at a table talking about fraudulent payments in general. And a statement was made that there was no need to worry for their company because they wrote mostly checks. I then explained that cybercriminals are not only after all payment methods, so wire, ACH, and uh, check payments, but also the details they can get their hands on as well. So let's talk more in detail about phishing and the check payment method. We know that there are internal controls surrounding the process of issuing checks, such as use blank check stock instead of pre-printed check stock, lock it up, don't take checks to the mailroom until they are ready to be collected, and use positive pay to prevent fake checks from being cashed. These controls and more should definitely be implemented but that's not what I'm talking about today. What I am talking about today is changing a vendor's remit address to reroute check payments. And again, this is similar to last week's blog post and podcast where I talked about, and we've all heard it and seen examples of uh, cyber criminals being successful at changing a vendor's bank account information to reroute their direct deposits. So again, here I am talking about cyber criminals being successful at changing a vendor's remit address and rerouting their check payments. Let's say a cyber criminal was successful at changing a vendor's remit address. They received the check that was intended for the vendor. Even if that cyber criminal does not deposit the check or create fake checks or perpetrate different frauds that probably you and I would never think of, but they do, they now have critical vendor data from the check stub, such as the vendor name, the vendor DBA, the vendor number, the invoice number, the invoice amount, the date paid, the check number, Maybe PO information, maybe reference information, anything that can be included on a remittance advice can now be in the hands of the cybercriminal because they rerouted the check to them. So now, what can the cyber criminal do with that information? Well, depending on how many invoices are included on the check stub, and I don't know about you, but I remember um, generating checks and we had to have separate sheets of paper to include all of the invoices that were being paid on that check. Now, that may not happen much nowadays that you have uh, vendors with large volumes of invoices um, sending their payments via ACH, however they still may be able to get a sense of the average invoice amounts along with the uh, invoice number sequence and now they can submit fake invoices that matches the trending invoice amounts and invoice numbers and those types of things now won't stick out on any reporting that is reviewed and they can have another payment go out before the vendor contacts AP to inquire about their check payments remember the cyber criminal may have more time to perpetrate this fraud because your vendor may not recognize that the payment was rerouted until it's too late because they are used to the normal delays and and expect them with check payments. So the bottom line is you need to protect your vendors remit address the same way that you protect your vendor's banking information. And I will put a link to the blog post from last week about four steps to protecting your vendor's banking from being changed by a cyber criminal. So I'll include that in the show notes. Okay, so let's talk about the four steps to protecting your vendor's remit address. So the first step is to create or update your vendor setup form and require it for a remit address changes. And I know you're going, another form, well, I know a lot of you guys out there are still manual or partially manual, and if that's the case, yes, another form or an update to your form. So here's the good news. You can include old and new fields. So did your vendor move or is this an additional location? I know that was always a question because sometimes you would receive a letter that says at this address, but you don't know what to do with the previous address. Is this an additional location or did they move and it needs to be inactivated or overwritten? So instead of having AP um, vendor maintenance guess or worse, keeping an an address on the vendor record that's no longer valid, you have a way now to have the vendor clearly tell you. So a great example is if you're using PeopleSoft where you're just continuing to add addresses and maybe even locations um, to match those addresses because you don't know whether or not the old address is still valid or not. And it actually could be the same pain with SAP because with SAP, especially if you're using the partnership function, now you've got additional OAs or PIs attached to or partnered and that whole situation partnership situation can just go out of control very quickly if you're not verifying whether or not the old address is still valid now a bonus is you can combine this form with the IRS form W-9 and call it a substitute W-9 vendor setup form so the IRS does allow a combination of the substitute W-9 with the company form and this way you can capture not only the information you need to determine whether the vendor is reportable or not, but you can also include any information your company needs to complete the vendor onboarding or setup process as well as additional fields on the vendor record. So another thing worth considering is adding other vendor critical data from the vendor record to this form. You use email addresses and telephone numbers to send remittance advices, to verify changes, to notify the vendors after the changes have made. So you can protect that data too by requiring form to be submitted for changes in those fields as well. Now the last thing I want to say about the vendor setup form is to require a signature, it can be wet or digital, also require a printed or typed name and phone number so you can see who signed and be able to contact them. Step number two, you want to verify the new address is real now this may be built into your accounting system or erp depending on which one you have but if not you can check with the united states postal service vendor by vendor 10check.com or, or you can even try other third-party providers some of which um, allow a bulk upload option just saying if you want to do it for a vendor master file cleanup some third-party vendors can not only identify whether the address is a valid address but they can also identify whether the address matches the vendor Now, if you think the address is suspicious, go ahead and throw it into Google Earth. And if it comes back with an open field, now you have one more piece of support to continue your due diligence on that vendor so that you do not set up a fraudulent vendor. Now, the third step is to contact the vendor to confirm the change. Try reaching the vendor by phone first, and if you're not able to reach the vendor by phone, reach out via email using an email address that is already on the vendor file and not a reply to the email request. You can also send it via snail mail, and yes, snail mail, it's better to send via snail mail versus skipping that step because you don't have an email address or a phone number on file for the vendor. Now you may ask if you can skip this step if the vendor's payment method is not a check and you have a system to send the notification to the vendor after the change. So if the vendor is updating an address or a remit address on the vendor record and they're Payment method is ACH. If you have a system in place that will send the notification to the vendor after the change, letting them know that you updated the address or that you made a change to an address and for them to contact you if they didn't initiate it. That could be enough to alert the vendor that a change has been made since it may not affect their future payments. I think you need to review your processes to verify if this is possible. My vote is to continue to contact the vendor to confirm the change. Lastly, step number four is to send a notification to the vendor after the change. Same experience we have when we change our information on Amazon or with our bank. And just like I did last week, I will include a link to the blog post, to my blog post where I talked about sending a notification to vendors after the change. So there you have it. Four steps to protect your vendor's remit address from cybercriminals. And the four steps really mimic the four steps for protecting your vendor's banking information from cybercriminals because you really are protecting your vendor's information and protecting their payments from being a fraudulent payment or being rerouted to a cybercriminal. So just to recap, Step number one was to create or update your vendor setup form and require it for remit address changes. Step two was to verify that the new address is real. Step three was to contact the vendor to confirm the change and step four was to send a notification to the vendor after the change. So, if you're thinking just like last week with the banking changes, this is going to take a lot of time, then you are absolutely right. This will take more time and it should take more time since you are protecting your company's assets by protecting the vendor master file from fraud. Again, the best solution to be efficient is a vendor self registration portal and make sure it includes vendor authentication masking of the bank account and tax ID, required validations, and vendor notifications. The vendor can then authenticate themselves, update, or submit vendor record changes within the portal, and then the portal can validate, update, and send the vendor a confirmation of the change. So if I missed anything, if your department has another validation, another confirmation, another process that may be easier for those that are still dealing with those manual vendor processes, I, and I'm sure the listeners would love to hear about it. Comment where you choose to listen if you're listening to this on a podcast player, or feel free to email me at deborah at deborahrichardson.com. Thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 31st episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links to the blog post mentioned. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy!